This is the weekly clergy roundtable, and we're here with two of our colleagues this morning, Bishop Jeffrey Borns and Archbishop Anthony Slater. Uh, it's a holiday week, so we wish holiday cheer to you. Uh, Merry Christmas at a time that we can get together and celebrate the birth of our Lord. It's a joyous time. I shared Sunday in a message that even though the times was hard, it was uh, a lot of things going on, but everybody was rejoicing over what was going to be. And I think that was exciting. The angels were singing, the shepherds were singing, people were coming together with gifts in hard times. So I think that we need to cheer in hard times, even though this has been a strange year for us, 2020. But before we get into it, I want my colleagues to introduce themselves. I'm going to start here in North Carolina with Archbishop Anthony Slater and then Bishop Jeffrey Bowens. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to be with my brethren this morning. I bring greetings from Goldsboro here at the Cathedral, the home of Tehillah Church Ministries, and God bless you. God bless. Um, Bishop Bowens. Grace and peace to one and all, Archbishop um, Slater and Archbishop Goffin, and to all of our listeners. I am Bishop Jeffrey Bowens, pastor of the Love Alive Fellowship Full Gospel Baptist Church here in Buffalo. And um, I'm also establishing a new, new work in the kingdom of God, um, One in the Spirit Interstate Fellowship. And um, we're taking off, and praise God, the Lord will lead us to uh, strengthen it as we go into 2021. Well, we, we've got some things on tape, but welcome to all of you on Facebook. We just went live on Facebook. I thought we were live before, but we weren't. We are recording this, but we just went live on Facebook. Archbishop Anthony Slater has introduced himself, and Bishop Jeffrey Bowen in Buffalo, New York, has just introduced themselves. So we're just going to jump right into the conversation. So gentlemen, if you can just unmute your mics and... Um, We'll just start talking. Whoever wants to start off first, we'll, we'll welcome everybody in. We have a short crew this morning, but um, all of our panelists who are not here, we wish you a very happy holiday. And there's just so many going, things going on as we end 2020. Uh, it's been a tremendous year. And so we have to look at uh, what's happening or where things are going. But let me mention this first. You know, we have the, um, the, this, this star that's, um, going to be visibly and be seen until uh, December 25th. I went out to look at it last night. It's uh, Jupiter and Saturn lining up together to look like one. We haven't seen this phenomenon in 600 years, but also astronomers believe that this is the same star that the wise men saw back during the time of Christ in the first century and saw this alignment come together. And it was a star they followed to find out where the Messiah was going to be born. And now what is interesting is that now in our day, the star is gonna be visible to the naked eye at night, beginning from last night until December the 25th. How unusual. I went to look at the star last night. I looked at some pictures on Google map and it's just tremendous just to see the star in the east and seeing where we are in terms of looking at that, being able to see it with the naked eye. and. Um, think back and reminisce on the first Christmas, because that's that's what I got from it. Uh, gentlemen, either you want to jump in? <clears throat> I think that um, another circle too, is also looking for as being this uh, solstice, and they're looking for some things that happen. There's a shift 
in some circles, they're, they're calling for a shift within our own humanity and dealing with, I don't know, you know, what's happening. I have an expectation of what's to come because of the things that have happened this year. Um, maybe it's just an expectation of God having to show up to either empower us or rescue us. <laughs> and mm. I believe that he's going to empower us, even as the body of Christ, to go through whatever's coming. It doesn't even matter who's in office. It doesn't matter because he's still sovereign. And I think that as the body, we have to embrace the fact that we're covered. We have to embrace the fact that, you know, Jesus came to fulfill, you know, and he has fulfilled it. And if we're a part of his fulfillment, let's walk on and continue this journey in his name. Amen. Amen. Um, I certainly uh, find it fascinating about this star that you had mentioned, Archbishop, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to be able to describe this as the star that the wise men had seen um, some 2000 years ago is absolutely extraordinary, to say the least. Um, you know, I think it causes us to have some uh, introspection and um, some retrospection um, to look inside to uh, make sure that we are on on the path that God wants us to be on. And then secondly, I think it provides hope. It provides hope for the future. Um, and, and as um, Archbishop Slater said, it, it occurred right in the midst of the solstice, right in the midst of the the time where uh, the earth is on its darkest day, that we are able to yet mm -hmm. see light. We are yet to have hope um, in the things of God. Um, and you said, Archbishop, and I heard you speak on Sunday morning, and you talked about how that God has spoken through nature. And then secondly, you mentioned that God has spoken um, in old times through his prophets, but now he is speaking through his word. And so God is always trying to capture the attention of mankind. And I think in this year of the pandemic, COVID-19, I understand that there's another strain of virus that have occurred in Great Britain. Is um, you know, really, you know, how much more can we take? But we are to look to the, um, the, the Lord for guidance, for grace, you know, in the Old Testament, when the, Moses had put up a, uh, <clears throat> a staff with a snake on it, he had informed them to look up to it and um, they, would have, they would be healed. And I think that's what we have to do in this season, continue to look to the Lord um, for guidance and grace and for restoration and healing, that in spite of the darkness, there's still hope for those who look to the Lord. Both of you brought out some very interesting points. I love uh, Bishop Slade, Archbishop Slater's point on the fact that uh, God will even take us through or rescue us out of what we're going to do. God is always sustaining us. And I think we can we can look at, so uh, as the Hebrews say, said to uh, their captives, even if God doesn't deliver us, we still believe he's able. So I think we don't always look for the rescue, but we also look for the protection of God in trouble as well as to get us out of trouble. 
And you're right, uh, Bishop Bowens, I was quoting that from Hebrews 1 and 1, that God in different uh, matters and different methods have always spoken to us. The problem is we haven't always listened. <laughs> and God is always speaking, but John 1.17, uh, you know, it really points out that, uh, that Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And he came bringing grace and truth. And I heard a preacher really uh, said one time, if, you, if you're full of, if you got nothing but, uh, how did he put it? He mentioned grace and he mentioned truth. He says, if you, if you got all truth, you're a bully. If you just got all grace, you're a coward. So we've got to balance out grace and truth. And I thought that was an interesting uh, statement. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this season that, as, especially as men, men and women of God, that we really got to get our foot um, solid. We have to begin to start taking a stand. If we don't take a stand, we're going to miss something. I believe that we, we have to take a stand and hear the voice of the Lord. I know that it's been popular in times past to go with trends, to go with what's the happenings now. I think the shift is causing us to reset. And I heard it last night in a class with Archbishop Goffin, who has been confirming my message for the new year. Every time he opens his mouth, it makes me feel <laughs> like I'm in God. And so <laughs> I keep hearing this reset. And, and not only that, I've been watching The Economist. Um, they're talking about a global reset, but the body yeah. of Christ has got to reset. And part of my new year's message is resetting back to the way God originally designed us to be. Not what we're used to being, but what God said we were. And, it, and even that point, that when we recognize who we are and that we're wonderfully made in his image, we have to begun to start walking, and said it last night, in his oneness. As we right. begin to, to be more like God, meaning mm -hmm. that we should show forth the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the things about showing forth the fruits of the Spirit is not many trees, they eat his own fruit. And mm -hmm. being a part of the body, we've got to be able to be fruitful so that others may be able to eat whatever they may need in their wow. seat and in their time, because we are the kingdom of God. And so we have to walk into knowing who we are and walking and knowing who we are, we'll feed, we'll help, we'll sustain those who are around us. And I think we just need to get in our places. <laughs> You want to chime in there, Bishop Bowens? Oh, absolutely. Um, thank you so much about that, um, that reset. That, I think that reset is so uh, critical. And, and it's amazing to me that, you know, I must admit that I wasn't fully aware of this season called solstice. Mm -hmm. And um, some refer to it as a rebirth, um, okay. a, a, a new beginning, a fresh start. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the sun, S-U-N, in has uh, diminished or died off or whatever, and then it comes back as a resurrection. So that lets me know that no matter where we are, what we have experienced and what we are going through, that we can always have a rebirth. We can always have a fresh start. We see it in the trees. We see it in the plants. We see it in the food. We see it in life. God has made us so uh, amazingly uh, engineered to have a rebirth, to have a comeback, to start a new chapter, to have a fresh start and a new beginning. So I look forward to that with great 
um, expectations um, that I would be in lockstep with him, that I would know his will, as Archbishop Slater is saying, that I would be able to speak his word. You know, when you start, when your age start creeping up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things kind of, you know, uh, that used to be important as is not as important anymore. You are more focused on things that refers to, that uh, connects to uh, eternal life or, right. or life everlasting. You know, um, the word of the Lord told us to set our affections on things above, not on things at least on the earth. And um, Colossians 3 and 1. So I think that those kind of things is where we need to refocus and retool. Um, this nation is going to be what it's going to be, um, as Archbishop Slater had said. We have to continue to pray, stand in the gap, and win as many souls as we possibly can to come into the kingdom. Um, I pray when I get ready to go into 2021 that I be so focused on soul winning, but not only soul winning, soul keeping. Because many people come into the kingdom, but they don't remain in the kingdom. They come in the front door and they go out the back door and you know, it's hard to get them in. So we need to come up with game plans as we move into um, 2021, where people are just so exuberant and excited, almost like going to a football game, where they are just jubilant about being in the house of the Lord. And I pray that this season that we went through in 2020 is a wake-up call, is a wake-up call for all mankind that things don't always have to remain the way they were. Things do change, stuff do happen, and we have to prepare ourselves for the coming of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, in the winter solace, um, Bishop Bowens, um, the days are shorter. In fact, December 21st is the shortest day of the year. So imagine seeing the star on the shortest day of the year. Um, we see, because light shines better in darkness. Uh, as you know, June 21st is the longest day of the year, but um, December 21st is the shortest day of the year. Uh, interesting that Jesus comes in, in the winter season. Now we don't know the exact date of his birth, we know the season of his birth, and that's what's important. Galatians 4 and 4, when the um, fullness of time come, uh, Christ came and died for the ungodly. I, I think that knowing the season is enough. The exact day doesn't really matter as long as we know that he, he came and that he, he came to save us from our sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, I think is the important issue. He had a supernatural birth, supernatural surroundings in the heavens, supernatural things going on, angels coming down and singing. Imagine angels coming down and just give, this is the first time we've seen a chorus of angels, uh, a choir of angels coming down and singing on the earth. We get visions, Isaiah's had visions, uh, Ezekiel's had visions, John had visions of angels singing in the heavens, but on earth, Luke records, uh, angels singing on the earth. Powerful. Absolutely. I, I think too that, you know, a lot of people, sometimes we know we have people, we go to church, we grow up, some of us have grown up in the church and we're always talking about um, the Christ child. And, and so in understanding that, yes, he came as a child, but then he grew up. And I think right. that if we ever embrace that he's no longer a child, 
But that child went to the cross. And after the cross, he still remained his place as the reigning king. And, and, and in that whole process, we have to be encouraged that if God got up, and you know, we always talk about the apostles' doctrine, the death, the burial, the resurrection, in that process of God really showing us that we can rise up as well because we have it in us. We, I think we need to rise to the occasion and begin to start preaching and teaching and living what God has been saying. And, and, and we have an opportunity now. And, and I want to say this, that even now with all the term, turmoil, all the frustration, all the hate, all the stuff that's happening in the earth, this is the time the church should be shining the loudest. We should be the beacon in the sky. This is not the time for us to sit down and be quiet, but we need to infiltrate the frustration, infiltrate the, dis the discord, and begin to bring the love of Christ to all that we that is. This is our hour, and I hope that we don't miss it, because this is an opportunity to show that we have the answer. His name is Jesus. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. I, I was thinking, I was thinking of, of a couple of things that um, um, both of you had mentioned about the light shining, shine brightest um, in the midst of darkness. Mm -hmm. And I, that is something to, to keep in mind and to uh, ingest um, in our spirit that no matter how dark it gets or becomes um, in this world, that the light of God is still shining. And uh, the, the word of the Lord says that the people who sat in darkness have saw a great light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 sticks with me, you know, um, tremendously. But um, I want to just touch back on this star um, that mm -hmm. Archbishop had mentioned, and um, I, it's tremendous. He mentioned about the <clears throat> the angels singing and so forth, and you know, uh, the the point that really really captured me was the idea that. When he came, he didn't come with a lot of pageantry. He didn't come up with a lot of bells and whistles, except from heaven, because heaven understood that the Savior was born. And if the Jewish um, historians and the patriarch would have given um, attention to what was going on um, thoroughly, perhaps they would have known too. But we know that the angels came and was the first to proclaim that born in the city of David is a savior. And they took that information and gave it to the shepherds. Uh, out of all the people that God could have come to, he come to shepherds who were um, caring for their sheep in the field and gave them this announcement that the, uh, the son of God is now born in Bethlehem. That to me um, just just strikes me, and it tells us a lot about God. Um, it tells us about that He's no respecter of persons. It tells us about that He's interested in all mankind. It tells us about that uh, you know whosoever will let him come. God is so gracious. He got His heart open, and this is our time to reflect on our on the Christ Child and why he came into the world, and why he wants to come into our lives. And this is what we need to be sharing this Christmas. I know we have the commercialism, 
in Christmas, but we also should have Christ in Christmas. Um, I believe there was something called Saturnalia, and that was mm -hmm. where people would come together and um, they would celebrate and have pomp and circumstance. But then the church, I believe in the fourth century, had decided mm -hmm. to come together and um, have the birth of, of Jesus or the celebration of the birth of Jesus on the 25th so that they can, uh, I, I would have to say that we can um, uh, give people an alternative that uh, this is about Christ. This is about God sending his only begotten son into the world that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So I, I, I want people to be glad cheerful. We got much to be happy about. We got the star mm -hmm. in heaven. God sent his, his son. And then thirdly, who knows, on December 25th, the angels might sing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good, Bishop Barnes. I think that's a, that's a message of faith, too. And when we, we talk about all of this, we, we have to see, yeah, in the West, we celebrated December 25th. In the East, they celebrate on January 6th. So they'll be celebrating in the Orthodox Church the birth of Jesus on January 6th, that gap of time coming between. Let me remind those who always talk about the commercialization of Christmas and Easter and all these things and that things were borrowed from pagan works and everything. Keep in mind, Christianity did not become a religion or one of the legal religions of Rome until after Constantine became emperor in 313, 314, we had a series of, of uh, civil wars that were trying to take over the throne in, in Rome and Christianity was outlawed. It had gone through tremendous persecution, but now it got respect in, in light of the emperor becoming uh, a Christian. And so Christianity became one of the religions of, of Rome, which was very polytheistic. So it was not a monotheistic viewpoint of Christianity, then it became the religion of Rome. Not yet. At this point, it just became one of the religions. So Christians were glad to share their holidays with pagan festivals and sacrifices because even though there was something else going on, unlike us, we want to try to be untouchable and so pure we can't do nothing because the devil's doing something. And so, but you know how Christians looked at this is our opportunity to shine in darkness. We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ while they celebrating their God. We're going to celebrate our God. And then as things went on, people got mixed up. And now you got people who don't want to celebrate anything because, you know, pagan sacrifices, things involved. We become separatists today. But the church in the fourth century was glad to have a piece of their celebration on a calendar so that they can lift up the Lord and witness to other people. We're not separatists. We're, we're joining together and trying to tell people about our Lord. So every opportunity we get, we should be telling about what Jesus did. Uh, joy to the world. A savior has come. The angel pronouncing, this is joy. Y'all don't know what you see. And it's, it's interesting how God already always rejoices over what we're going to be. And the devil's all, always trying to abort who we're going to be. God rejoices over who we're going to be. The devil tries to abort who we're going to be. Remember, Herod sends down later and have all the, while we talk about all this pageantry of, of Christmas, there was a dark side because Herod went down and had the firstborn killed so that he would get rid of this slavery. He was trying to abort what was going to be. But in the meantime, God's singing over what's going to be. Wow. And it's so true. 
And, and I think that now look at what's happening in the earth. I think we have an opportunity to show that light again. And once yes. we show that light, you know, through us, it, it's going to be amazing to some. And some people won't believe it because of what has been. But we have an opportunity to change the narrative. We have an opportunity to show the Christ in the earth. And so what is it that we do? What, you know, we have more people to reach. Unfortunately, now the church has to reach the church because we have a lot of people who are coming out of obligation, but not relationship. We have people, especially now this pandemic has exposed people for who they really are. You know, we have people who will love this pandemic. They don't have to go to church now. You know, they don't feel obligated. You know, they'll go send their money in and act like they saw it on, on video. <laughs> you know, this is a place for them to hide. But, you know, I'm watching those who are still holding to the faith and keeping in communion with the other saints. And I think as mm -hmm. leaders, we got to be careful that we don't get discouraged in this hour because everybody won't come. Everybody's not ready to get this next move, to be a part of this next move. Everybody's not gonna be able to receive or even repurpose or who God is calling the us to be. You know, the marketplace is screaming for the house of God, uh, for the people of God, or how about this, for the kingdom of God. And I think that we need to respond to that call by our presence, you know, we talk about the church should be uh, not involved in politics, but they need us bad. Look of at the, look at it. They need the house. They need they need that voice. They need guidance. They're killing each other over stuff that don't even matter. They need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to get in our communities. We need to get involved. Nothing's going to change until Jesus shows up, and He's going to show up with us. We've got to show up in the marketplace. Uh, that's that's our that's our Archbishop Slater. He's going <laughs> to continue to keep us into social activism, and um, they do. You absolutely right, and I think that's that's where the gifts come in at the gifts to the church body, because all of us are assigned a particular assignment, a particular role. Everyone is not called to do the same thing. We find that in uh, Israel that uh, when uh, the blessing was placed upon the sons of Jacob, how that um, each one of them had a particular uh, function or assignment that they were going to perform. And then we understand that there are diverse gifts in the church. Um, and so each of us are called and as long as all of us are doing our assignment, um, speaking truth to power, and um, changing the situation in the earth. You know, being an African-American or a black man, whatever you want to call me, a Hamite, you know, I know that this struggle, this challenge that we face in this nation is going to continue until the Lord return. One thing that I recommend that for the people of God is that not to let your guards down, that we have to continue to be diligent. Because sometimes when God brings us out of different situations, um, we forget all about it and we go back to being uh, comfortable. And um, But situations such as what we just come out of in 2020 um, causes us to be a little more vigilant, a little more alert, a little more focused and attentive um, to those things which are uh, significant. I personally 
you know, this year have been a wake up call for me. Um, I have always, to the best of my ability, loved the Lord and um, have always sought him and walked with him. But um, this year have just been just a, a little more. I had to put my foot on the accelerator a little more, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I have been doing a teaching on the book of Revelation and looking at the seven churches of Asia Minor and wanted to know what is God saying to the church? Unless he downloads some rhema word to me, um, I wanted to know um, what is the logo saying? What is God's word saying? So I think we have to keep our ears um, to the grind um, and continue to focus on what is the Lord saying to the church today and to the body of Christ and to the influence that we have as uh, pastors, bishops, apostles, overseers, so that we can speak to the people of God to move them into the next dimension in Christ Jesus. I mentioned last night a subtle statement about God wanting to get back to oneness. And, and I think that when we mention that, our minds really camp into labels. And that's not where I, I was at. I was seeing a subtle trend that went throughout scripture of God mean, wanting to be identified as one. Uh, the Shema Israel, Shema in, in Hebrew means to listen. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. I looked at creation, Adam and Eve. He, he separates them. He takes the rib out of Adam and he creates them male and female. But when they come together in a union, he says that union should produce oneness. The two shall become one. Watch this, when he, when he brings the church in existence, he already has Israel in existence, but when he brings the church in, he said, Paul says that out of the two, he was a, two people, he was gonna make one new man. Our problem is we keep trying to separate Israel and the church. We keep trying to get two out of one. And, and every time you turn around, we got this camp next time. Even in our doctrine, we're evangelicals, we're Pentecostals, we're this, we're that, we're liturgical, we're not, we're high church, we're low church. See all the division that comes about? We're just simply the church, the mystical body of Christ. But then we get all of these camps, we go in and the labels going on and on. And all the things come together, even as Paul talks about the diversity of the Bible, the, the body of Christ in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all of the various pieces, he goes into the pieces, the hand, the arm, the foot, but none of them can say they don't function, but they all are one. So by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body? You see that thread of oneness throughout scripture? And so it, 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 it's a, and Jesus prayed, I shared this last night, John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, make them one even as we are one. There's something about this oneness that we miss. And, 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 and because we, we get all focused on maybe what we call oneness doctrine or Trinitarian doctrine, we miss the fact of what God is saying about him being one. And that is a mystery and that's powerful. Absolutely. Bishop, you know, you remind me of, you know, with the oneness that we hear, we, we had the conversation that, you know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. They, they, you were always talking about a pattern, but back in the upper room, when they were on one accord, something happened. And right. I think that's what's been happening within the body of Christ. We're losing something because we look like, as Bishop Bowen had reminded us about the, um, the churches of Asia Minor, that 
we more or less look like the church of Laodicea. Mm -hmm. We are lukewarm, you know, and then scripture says he said he spew us out of his mouth and, and we're neither hot nor cold, you know, and, and sometimes you go, I look at some of the services we are, some of the temperaments that we have, we, we are, we're neither hot or we cold or one day we're hot, one day we're cold. It's a confusion. And the part of it is we're not one, we're not seeing the same thing. And once we begin to get our eyes right and, and begin to start see as he sees, we'll begin to see things differently. And I think that we have to begin to start embracing who God says we are more so than what we've been told we are. And so when we get the understanding of the separation, and I know that your teaching has been dealing with this about the ecclesia, that we're the church is not the building. And I think that if we ever come out of the building and like we're doing now, we're going to start seeing where the real church is. The Bible says something real cute, and I love it. It says, and ye shall know my disciples, for they have love one to another. That's going to be the acid test, whether or not you claim you're anointed, whether or not you claim that you have the highest title, you're the new pope, you're the new this, you're the new whatever you are. Love will be the activation or even the litmus test of who you really are. Because it's going to be hard to love in this time. It's going to be hard to love if you use your own humanity. But if he inside of you, the Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, if that Christ rises up, we can love all just as he loved us. Yeah. God's presence, God's presence has just shrunk in the earth from his presence being in a garden to being in a container, a chest called the Ark of the Covenant. The family personifying itself in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Bishop Owens. I just want to make that statement. I, I, I want you to say that again, Bishop, because I think that's <laughs> profound. I, I, what I really was saying is that God's, God's, God reserved for himself a place where he can house his glory. That place, I studied glory years ago, Kabbalah, and one of the things I found that throughout, the reason why he called Israel out is because he was looking for a resting place for his glory. So in creation, the garden became the resting place. That's where he met with Adam at the cool of the day. When that got contaminated, he moved his glory out and started meeting at the altar. Every time he rested his glory, Kabod, the presence of God came about. So it got rested in the chest, which is called the Ark of the covenant. That was a symbol of where the glory of God would be housed. And so they carried that around. What is interesting is that when that got polluted and they had the tabernacle in, in um, David's day, they, without the Ark of the Covenant, they lost it to the Philistines. The, the priest of Moses was still going in and out of the tabernacle of Moses. How are you going to have sacrifices when you don't have the presence of God? And it wasn't there. And so when David rescues the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines in 2 Samuel chapter 6, or rather 1 Samuel chapter 6, he, he comes back talking about the presence of God. He realized that you can't take God's presence back to old worship. As Jesus said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. So he builds a new tent and houses the Ark of the Covenant, not in the old pattern of the tabernacle of Moses, but in a new container because God's up to a new thing. And we see the presence. All of that was bringing us up to the point of where we are now. We now are the tabernacle of God, as Paul says in Corinthians. And God has housed his spirit in us. On the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit on 
of flesh. Absolutely, um, Archbishop. I that was a, a very uh, enlightening that you just shared with us. Um, but also, I would like to go back to the point that you made about the oneness. And um, I think that that gives us all a opportunity to evaluate where we are as far as that is concerned, because um, that's the heart of the Father. I pray that you be one, even as me and my Father are one. Right. And uh, that, that sticks hard with me. Um, when I'm when I'm dealing with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I try to find some common ground, and you mentioned also Archbishop about the um, body being one. It has different functions, but it's one. Um, and I know that in the Book of Revelation, the seventh chapter, that uh, John wrote that um, I saw a number that no man can number, of every culture, tongue, and every nation. And so we know that eventually that will be the objective. Um, we know that it has to come, it will occur because of transformation and because of glorification. Uh, but in the meantime, that should be what we should strive for, to be one, even as the Father is one. I think that would bring God glory, that would um, cause his heart to delight in us. You know, I was thinking about the children of Israel and, um, and and perhaps one of you could speak to it. I was thinking about them, and I was wondering if they had not sinned and been disobedient to the Lord, would they have gone through pestilence, uh, tribulation, and um, also having enemies all around them? I was just wondering whether or not if they would have continued to stay steadfast in the Lord's commandments and followed his ways, would they would have um, yet experienced the tribulation and the trial, you know, because I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, even our country, the Bible says uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And are we, you know, we have to evaluate where we are. Are we experiencing a lot of the things that we're experiencing because we're far from God? You know, we go to church, as uh, Archbishop Slater says, we go to churches, we go to church building, but it's more of become more of a social gathering, more than a, a spiritual gathering. And we have to go back and to evaluate where we are and begin to give God glory in the, in the places that we are. We don't know what's down the road, but we know that God has a plan, God has a purpose, and consequently it is our responsibilities as leaders in the kingdom to make sure that we are defenders of the faith and making sure that the faith is placed on um, the front line and not on a back burner. So that would be my word um, to the body of Christ. Right. Bishop Slater, we only got a few more minutes. So you want to say something before I jump in here? Your sound is muted. Yeah, trying to keep from uh, being disrespectful. <laughs> I, I think that we, absolutely, Bishop Bowen, I think that we have an opportunity. And, I, and my last statement today is, you know, we know that Jesus is the reason for the season. 
take an opportunity to love somebody, take an opportunity to show the love of God, take an opportunity to, to mend old wounds or whatever, forgive those who've trespassed against you. And I think that we can do something so great by showing the love of God in this season, in spite of what anybody else thinks about, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And God is with us. And, and let me add that I, I think when we hear oneness, we think of sameness. And that's not what oneness is. Unity is not about all of us doing the same thing and, and being apart. So we hit this sameness and we're always trying to get everybody to do the same thing, to be on the same page. And, and we miss the point of oneness because Ephesians 4.16 says, when the whole body fitly framed together, that means the three of us all have a piece that must kind of fit in a puzzle somewhere. Uh, uh, Bishop Bowen, you're talking about one in the spirit fellowship you got. That means that you got to find out where these pieces fit. Everybody's not going to fit in your circle, but you got to find out who fits. Where, where, who fits in this puzzle? You ever put together a puzzle? I used to love the Rubik's Cube when they had it uh, and, and just going back, just work with that. I mean, it took me a while to get it, but when I finally got it, man, it was, it was great. Then you get cocky and think you can do it like that all the time. And then it always shifts on you and you find, wow, maybe I better pay attention and concentrate on this thing. And so we, we all, and if you, the old puzzles, see, I grew up in the days when we had puzzle pieces, you used to take them out the box and put them on the, on the floor and then try to pull the pieces all together. Now all they're doing is pointing and clicking at the computer to put a piece together. But we had to put all those pieces on the floor and make a big piece. It was kind of frustrating trying to find the right piece to fit in the right angle. And that's where we are in the body of Christ. I think we keep trying to fit. If we keep trying to fit the right piece in the right angle, instead of trying to make people fit where they don't fit. Uh, and I know I'm speaking some things here, but uh, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, when he's praying in Matthew 11, that you haven't revealed these things to the wise, but you revealed it to the babes. And I just want to say in this season of revelation, of understanding uh, of the Christ child who has come, the incarnation, uh, the whole idea that he is the Theocorcus or the Theoc um, idea of who Christ is and what he's presenting, we have to get back to understanding what the real purpose of the season is to put us together that not for sameness, but that each piece fitly framed together. Because to one he gives this gift, to another he gives that gift. The sameness that it comes from the one same spirit, even though there's diversity of gifts. But we all go over who has the most important gift, who does this and who does that, and we miss the point. We got five minutes, gentlemen. I'm going to let both of you say something. We can close out here. Thank you for all of, all of you who are on Facebook, who are leaving your comments. We appreciate it. We just wanted to give a little, little greeting, and it went into all of this today. <laughs> I, I would say uh, in, in closing um, that, uh, you know, the word of the Lord tells us and reminds us to look up to lift up our head for our redemption draweth near. So ironic that this star is hovering over the earth at this time. Yes. So, I, so ironic that uh, the Lord is telling us to reflect, contemplate, to remember who is the true reason for the season. That is Christ Jesus. Let us have Christ Jesus in our Christmas 
Let us have Christ Jesus in our new year. Let us have Christ Jesus in our epiphany um, for the next two weeks. Let us reflect on him. <laughs> Let's bring him our, our time, our talent, and our treasure and give to him and let him use us for the betterment of all mankind. Keep your heart open and continue to let the light so shine that men may see your good work and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Amen. I just want to say, I just want to say, you know, this is a season of giving. Let's take this opportunity and give to someone, whether it is as um, Bishop Bowen had said, um, your time, your talent, or your treasure. All right. three are valuable. When is it your time to move? And I think your time is now. Manifestation of what you desire is going to depend on what you do. You know, um, the Bible also says you reap what you sow. So let's believe God according to the scriptures and let's give something today that you haven't given in the last season. And if you did, let's double up in our love, in our walk with God, in our talents, or whatever God has given you that you can lend back to the Father. Well, this is going to be our last show of the year. And so we want to just um, admonish you to enjoy the Lord. Remember, the greatest gift has already been given. That's the gift God gave us in the person of Jesus Christ. So we want to remember that. We'll be back January the 5th, our first show in the new year, first Tuesday in January. We'll be back to come on again with uh, hopefully a full panel of clergy that will be discussing uh, things of interest to you as it but go with God. And we ask that you see us in the new year and God bless you and may heaven smile on you. Think them off, right? Back in the motion. Amen. Am I off? Yes, we are off. Okay, we are. It's not recording. Okay.